This is the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Fur Neiman. If you're looking to generate wealth and passive income in the lucrative world of mobile home parks, you're in the right place. You'll discover solutions to the common legal and operational pitfalls and how to optimize parks to maximize income. Your host is in the trenches. He's a real estate attorney, financial analyst, and mobile home park investor and operator. Now, let's turn it over to Ferd Neiman. Welcome back, Mobile Home Park Nation. Ferd Neiman here again with another episode of the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast. I just got back from MHI Expo in Las Vegas. It was a, it was a good conference, about 1,600 people there, about 200 vendors, um, Lots of you know bankers, brokers, service providers, community owners, and a whole bunch of other people. It's impossible to get around and say hi to everybody. Got to see say hi to some clients and some friends, and that was nice. Also, got to sit in on some sessions. I spoke in one session on a panel discussion on navigating the acquisition in today's environment. So that's something I'll cover probably at another time. But today, I wanted to highlight some stuff that came up at a at a session called how ancillary services provide value in resident satisfaction. This became kind of a, almost like a town hall where people were given ideas and tips. Um, in addition to the, the host on the panel, we had Mike Niebauer with Rent Manager was on the panel, and then Stephen Blank with Blank Family Communities and Sam Hales with Saratoga Group. So the three of those guys had a lot of uh, good tips and tricks, if you will. But then also there were others in the crowd that uh, contributed. So I'm going to highlight some of my notes. I added a couple of things of my own on here as well, but it was really just interesting to see what people are doing in today's environment. You know, acquisitions are generally down because of the interest rate environment we're in. So I feel like most people are focusing more and more on operations. <laughs> here for us, we've been the last month or so spending a lot of time on putting together more processes and trainings both written and recorded, either Zoom trainings or we, we typically use Microsoft Teams for our training videos. And part of the reason for this is, is to kind of mitigate some of the pain of uh, turnover. So that's something that, you know, when you lose a person and it's really hard in this environment, in my experience, I heard this at the conference from a lot of good operators. It's really hard to find good personnel right now. Um, so what some people are doing um, is if they find a good manager, they'll try to give that manager two or three properties. Well, that obviously is an additional workload for the manager. So the way to you know reduce that workload and make it reasonable is they're providing more back office support. Now, some people are doing it even overseas, you know, having accounting overseas or 24-hour call centers for you know customer service requests, maintenance requests, things of that sort. Uh, showings, another uh, tip, and we've been doing this. And a couple of my parks where we're down staff right now is ghost showings or virtual showings. And there's there's software or tools you can get. Uh, I think Stephen mentioned Tenant Turner is a system that helps with remote showings. I mean, I used to sell single family houses and you know flip houses and stuff. And, and I was doing this back 15 years ago, even where I would just put a lockbox. I had a regular day job. I couldn't do showings 24-7. So if somebody would respond, I just had a lockbox on the door and I'd say, text me a photo of your driver's license. That way, you know, if something bad happens, you're on the short list of people I'm going to hand over to police. But then in return, I'll give you the code. And I'd say, you know, and then, you know, the key's in the box. And then after you leave, please confirm you put the key back in the box. 
and then I would try to do some sort of exit interview if they didn't want to buy the house. Um, and that's what people are doing more and more today is posting ads um, from a central location. This can be a challenge sometimes with Facebook because Facebook knows if I'm sitting here in Kansas City, they can tell from my computer, my phone or my GPS that I'm not showing houses six, eight hours away. So they can kind of bury my listings or you can get flagged pretty easily on how to, you know, flagged as being a fake account. So if you're doing ghost showings, you want to make sure that you've got, you know, organic content and photos. I tried it before and a team has tried it where you just take a couple stock photos from a house we sold two years ago and post that one in five different cities um because sometimes it's harder when you have limited staff in different locations to get good photos because seemingly taking a photo shouldn't be that hard but a lot of park greeters or part-time some park managers and some you know maintenance or rehab personnel seem to struggle with that um but that's a new thing that you know not necessarily new but <clears throat> something that you can do so overall in this session we covered some ancillary services, but then as a group, just kind of shared some some you know recent tactics um, in this environment. So one thing you can do is you know if you have like you know we use Rent Manager, but I'm sure all the other providers have similar services that you can set up standard reports. So you have to go pull the report. You can have it set up in your inbox that send me you know every Monday the delinquency report or move in move outs or financial reports and just any sort of you know standard reporting or you can you can even do some customized reports. Um, that's some, that's a kind of a new tactic, not necessarily new, but that's a, you know, something you can do to shore up your operations. Other ancillary services people are providing, you know, generally for additional fee, but perhaps just to make the community more desirable to live in is, you know, provide internet or even high-speed internet or better service internet, uh, maybe not for free, but make that available to people. Uh, one that was, I've never paid for um, in bulk, but it seems to be a new new thing that a lot of people in the apartment business are doing. And generally the apartment business is a little bit ahead of the MH business as far as um, sophistication or cutting edge. <clears throat> but they're doing bulk service for pest control services. Um, somebody mentioned pest share is a vendor and you can just have a monthly fee and they'll they'll spray for bugs um, every house. We typically, if, we are, if we're aware of bugs and somebody moves out, well, then we'll take care of that particular house. Or if it's a, a big infestation, we may take care of, you know, the neighboring lots, um, generally at, at our cost, um, or out of someone's security deposit if they left the house with, you know, bugs. If you've never paid for bed bug removal, you don't want to. Uh, termites are pretty inexpensive. General bugs, pretty inexpensive. Cockroaches typically take more than one treatment, but still pretty inexpensive, you know, hundred bucks, 200 bucks a whack. But if you have bed bugs, it's like $3,000 or more. So you really want to, you know, prevent bed bugs. And a lot of that's up to the residents themselves. Other ancillary services, some people um, take care of lawn care for a fee. More common people have, you know, what they call force mow Monday. And you just basically put in the lease or in park rules that every Monday we're mowing the grass for anybody that didn't mow it over the weekend. And maybe give them a grace period of two or three days. Um, give them notices, say on Friday, hey, your grass is tall. You know, because that time of year, it's spring. It's you know that's the downside of spring and summer. You got to take care of the lawn, and you got to get your residents to take care of the lawn. Typically, the the norm is that the residents take care of their own individual lot, and the manager or maintenance team takes care of the common areas. But I've got some residents that they just 
you know, they can't really take care of the lawn or elderly and, and we'll do it for an extra fee. We typically tell them we don't want to be in the mowing business. So find a neighbor kid to do it for 10 bucks. We don't want to do it for 10 bucks. We want to do it for 50 bucks. And that's not even a reasonable price. So hire them. But if it's for mow, it's going to cost you 50 bucks. Um, other things people are putting in, you know, better cable, uh, and trying to bulk cable. Um, I've not had a lot of success with bulk cable where it's, you know, quote free, but it's included in the lot rent because inevitably, you know, you have some service issues and or you have people that they want, you know, the Big Ten network and you don't have Big Ten. They want HBO, you don't have HBO. So then they're mad and they got to order it separate, but then they're still paying for, you know, whatever your cable package is. <laughs> some people have 24-hour maintenance um, or like an emergency maintenance team um, or at least 24-hour call center. Um, other things, you know, some people do like kind of an add-on amenities or almost like a concierge service of, um, you know, you, we'll give you more text communication, get on our newsletter, you know, give away um, Home Depot gift cards for yard of the month. Um, some people will pay to have their trash taken from their house or their porch to the receptacle. We typically use the individual toters or poly carts as opposed to the big dumpsters because big dumpsters get filled up with tons and tons of crap from people that don't live in the community. So we, and, and by the way, that the truck that picks up the big dumpsters weighs, I don't know, 30,000 pounds and beats up your roads versus the, the, the truck that picks up the polycarts weighs like 6,000 pounds and it doesn't beat up your roads as much. One thing we've learned is off, off also is we generally control who the trash company is. There's only one company coming in. In my first community, there were like three different trash providers. So you got three guys, trucks coming in, beating up the roads on a daily basis. That's something to look at on DD as well. I have a small park in Des Moines and we had a tr trouble getting a trash provider because the, the nature of the road layout was, it was just a straight shot down and back. So there was nowhere to turn around. So the big companies didn't want to mess with it because they had to pull all the way in and then back all the way out onto a busy street. So I ended up having to get, you know, more of a smaller local guy that has a, you know, a regular truck and just makes several routes and several, several trips. Uh, but but th that is an add-on that people can charge for is trash. Some people will have add-on for rights to use the, the playground or the dog park, you know, generally a pet fee. If you've got dogs, you know, you're the ones that are benefiting from the dog park. So there's an add-on fee. Some places do landscaping. Um, you know, that's interesting. Um, I don't think I want to get in the landscaping business, but other things that people have used, and you've probably seen these in neighborhoods before, the free library, like take a book, give a book, and then, you know, stock them with books. Um, generally, people don't vandalize or steal those. So it's, it seems to work okay. I don't know how much of a benefit it really is, um, but it certainly makes it feel like a welcoming, friendly community. Taking that a step further would be providing for a, you know, study hall or a community center, you know, for kids after school. Um, I've heard of community owners. I've not done this, but communities who have got the like local library or some other local charity to host an after-school program. Um, and the library in one time, one instance gave a bunch of books and tables and even some computers. The, the catch there is who's going to manage it? You know, what's the liability? Um, what are the hours? You know, So pros and cons with some of these things. Um, some people are adding a print shop. You know, some people, they don't, have their own, they don't have their own printer, but they can go into the community center and pay for printing. Um, other more aesthetic stuff would be like just adding more street signs. That's actually convenient for people, but it also looks better. And it's, it's not that expensive. 
Um, you can also collaborate with a local charity or school for a free lunch program um, or any sort of other government services. That's going to be very, you know, hit or miss, jurisdiction specific. Other things that people are doing would be trying to reduce expenses by having consistent products and or purchasing locations that, you know, one guy in the crowds with purchasing platform and what their company does is basically is you can buy everything through them and you can even set it where your managers have to go. And like, say they're going to buy toilet paper or buy printer paper or buy, you know, trash bags. You tell, you have the system set up for that community that they can only select, you know, item number 995. And that is hefty 30 gallon trash bags instead of, choosing from 80 different types of trash bag and in, in, in theory if you if you use the same products it just becomes more cost effective and it takes the guesswork out and you don't have to worry about chasing your manager down as much for receipts um we use a system called com data the track we can make basically a corporate card and it tracks everything they everything they buy and from where we still want receipts for backup because sometimes it'll, it will it'll just say you know smith's hardware well, what do they buy at smith's hardware stuff for their personal use or they buy you know what unit did it go go for because you need to track that for your balance sheet or your PL is what unit that cost should be uh, attributed to some other things that we've done a decent job with is buying in bulk um, we've bought appliances in bulk we've bought houses in bulk we've paid for transport in bulk and what's bulk well it depends right i mean one time i bought eight houses from the same guy and got them really inexpensive then this different guy hey move eight houses from location a to location b and you can just boom 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 knock them all out and sometimes you know you know wood or you know i had a deck guy I'm like look i'll give you the next 25 decks if you give me this price per deck and we were putting you know eight by eight decks in for 300 labor which you know is nearly impossible to find nowadays but it's also much more difficult to find if you're doing it as a one-off so bulk purchase can help um one of these should be obvious for expense reduction, but it'd be, uh, you know, do, using some sort of rubs, ratio uniform billing system or other bill back for, for water and sewer. You know, of course, there's certain um, regulatory requirements for each for different jurisdictions on that. Some people bill back trash or have some sort of other waste management plan. Um, so that can work um, depending on your jurisdiction. Some people will have their property management software company, you know, we're at manager or manage America or Yardi, one of these um, actually do their payables for them and print checks, stuff envelopes and mail. And you can put kind of a decision tree in, in there as far as types of checks or dollar amounts of checks. Um, there's a company called MailFuse that's doing that with virtual certified mail. So that's what I'm going to look at for my law firm um, is we do a fair amount of certified mail for the law firm. And it just takes, you know, we have, a, we have an account with UPS and FedEx. We can do it and print our own labels and stuff from the office, but that takes staff time. And, you know, if we're billing, if we're sending something for a client, you know, we're billing whatever the actual shipping costs are, but we're often not billing our time for that because it's administrative time. So maybe I can have mail fuse do it. And then I, and then it's still going to be, you know, build the, the actual shipping costs are still going to be billed back to the client. So um, if you're a park operator, you know, you may not have as, you don't probably don't send as much as a law firm. So it's probably even less effective for you. So outsourcing, it might make sense. Um, 
other things some people are putting rooftop antennas on you know i've heard of people even doing solar panels um sometimes you can put up a billboard you know for money that's generally a zoning challenge to like have a real billboard that you see on the highway and obviously it's location specific if you don't have a high traffic count nobody's going to advertise on your billboard um we have internal like they're little shadow boxes like glass boxes that with a billboard with like park map park rules maybe maybe a recent newsletter um, other things, again, zoning could be a challenge, but can you RV storage or trailer storage or you know, just outdoor storage on an empty empty grass or gravel area? Sometimes you actually have like legit storage facilities um, or um, fenced-in storage, um, things of that sort, additional revenue, income generation. Um, one guy at the community was putting in electric vehicle charging stations. This, to me, seemed like a... a a little foolhardy, but um, there's not that many people in my communities that have electric vehicles. I'm unaware of any residents that have electric vehicles, generally because they're pretty expensive to buy. Um, but somebody's putting them in as a revenue generator. I'm a big fan of putting in sheds because um, generally that's okay from a zoning perspective. Put in a shed and rent it for 25 or 35 bucks a month, and then you can actually, when you do a refinance of Fannie Mae, you can count that as land income. So basically you can get, you know, $4,000 of value per shed and get a shed installed for about a thousand. I'm um, just a little seven by seven shed you can buy from Home Depot. Um, another tip that somebody was talking about doing was um, using CredHub to report credit to your resident, report your resident residence rental payments, because th this is now a way to, help them build their credit because a lot of people have no credit not just bad credit or good credit but just don't have any credit because they've never had you know debt so it's hard to build credit and that makes it hard for some mobile home financiers if they don't if their credit score is just zero or na then they can't get a loan so some people are reporting their rental payments as as if they were mortgaged or credit card payments and then it builds up their credit score so i thought that was interesting um another company that's been the last couple of conferences i've not talked to me has actually used them but i think i'm sure lots do because they've they've made a pretty big presence the last couple of conferences that is cover tree part of cover tree's goal is to help get the homes in your community insured and you wouldn't be the direct beneficiary of the insurance proceeds but it's in your it's in my interest for my residents to have insurance um we have a community in iowa that a tornado the tornado did not hit the park but tornado was very close by and the ancillary winds hit the park because our park is on the immediate south end of the town it's like the first first property that's not a cornfield so we had of the park owned homes that i own i had three that were completely totaled you know blew blew away or you know trees fell on them and crushed them and then we had there's like 45 houses in the community like 40 of them had significant damage. Well, some of those residents did not have insurance. So that's a problem. Roofs blew off, um, things like that. Luckily, nobody was was hurt. Uh, one person I think got hit with a little bit of glass, but nobody was taken to the hospital or killed. So that was very fortunate. Um, we had insurance on our homes. So that worked out just you know fair, not normal, fine. In a couple instances, even pretty favorably. Um, on the insurance proceeds relative to what um, I would have probably thought they would have been, but CoverTree can help people with renter's insurance or even casual insurance, I believe, 
to make sure your residents have that. Now, there's obviously a cost. There's a lot of service providers out there, and I'm not going to mention all of them on this session here, but you know, some of them, for example, they'll let your, this one I will mention because I don't really agree with it. Um, they'll pay your residents rent for the resident. And it's like payday lending, but but systematized with the landlord. So it's like, oh, hey, look, if it rents $400 a month, tell you what, we'll front the 400 on the 1st, and you can just pay us back on the 15th and the 30th at your paycheck. Oh, and we only charge $50. They're like, oh, it's only a $50 charge. It's like, yeah, well, you know, what the heck? Do the math. You know, 50 into 40, into 400, that's a pretty high percentage. Oh, but wait, that's not even annualized. Take that times 12 or take that times 24. And, the, and basically, it's really high interest and, and high penalties. Um, but there's services like that and lots of add-on services that, you know, quote, are available and they're, quote, helpful. But you got to know what's the, the true impact because some of these services, they're just taking money out of your resident's pocket. So, you know, and I tell residents, like, one thing we do with our, our homes is we'll put uh, new new guts in the toilet, you know, the anti-flapping devices, basically, and they're like $13 on Amazon, and and then we take half an hour or less to install them, but and we don't make any money on it, and we generally don't even charge the residents, we, but it's like, hey, I don't want you to spend more on water than you need to utilize. I'm not making any money on water. My goal is to break even. Um, but if your toilet, you know, just do the do the math, or I'll do it real quick on the live here because I've done it for staff <laughs> more than once. But I got back to say, picture this little bitty, you know, little gnome or leprechaun sitting on your toilet. And this person's mission in life is to flush a toilet. And then they flush it. And then it takes about a minute to fill back up. And they flush it again. And then they do it again. And then they do it again. And they do it all day well that's what an open flap will do so if i have two gallons to fill the thing times one minute times 60 minutes times 24 hours in a day that's 2880 gallons times 30 days eighty-six thousand. now most of the time the flap doesn't um isn't open the whole time um it goes up and down. You can see it. And if you, if you track it on like Metron has a water scope system, you can track it 24 seven and see it. But when I first submetered a community, I noticed one particular household had 69,000 gallons of water usage per month. And it was like $3,200. They had been getting free water and just wasting it for years and years and years. So putting in cost saving devices like that, Again, the goal of something like that as an ancillary service, it's, hey, I'm helping you save money. Because guess what? If you have if you spend, give all your money to the water company, you're going to have less money to pay rent. You're going to have less money to uh, fix your car to get to work so you can make money to pay rent. You're going to have less money to put in your own flowers and landscaping and paint your house and take care of your family. So I would like for you to have more money. So anything you can come up with that's an ancillary service that Either A, adds value, you know, like adding a dog park adds value to people, pets. Okay, you can probably get more rent. But even if you're not adding value that you can charge for, you need to add value by coming up with some sort of service or efficiency that makes your, your park more profitable for the community owner and or the park makes the expenses cheaper for the residents. Because I've had people move out because the utilities are too high. 
you know, like so not having an underbelly on a home in the in the Midwest, like that's good. There's no insulation. You're gonna have more frozen pipes, one, but you're also gonna have worse insulation for heat. You know, some of these, some of those older metal on metal homes have really thin walls, and they've been, you know, insulation's been in there for thirty or forty years. Well, the insulation eventually kind of condenses and shrinks and ends up at the bottom of the wall, and then most of the wall doesn't have any real insulation left in it. So metal on metal houses are harder to keep warm in the winter. And, you know, you can, depending on where you live in, in the country or where your community is, you may want to evaluate a gas home versus an electric home. Typically it's a little bit of an upcharge to the manufacturer to put in gas. Generally you get a hundred amp home on electric and just do gas and electric versus 200 amp. Like my parks in Iowa, we can't do straight electric because the I was pretty cold and the utility bills are going to choke people in the winter. Now at a community in St. Louis area, several, several hours South of Iowa, you can do a home that's straight electric and it's not that expensive in the winter. So little add-ons like that, little answer services, these can all help increase the value of your park, increase the value of the community in the eyes of the residents by creating a greater satisfaction. So that's just a few of the, the tips and tricks um, I'm sure there's a lot more out there. If you've got them, uh, feel free to shoot me an email. I'd love to know. Until uh, next time, best wisely. Thanks and God bless. You've been listening to the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Ferd Neiman. Ready to learn more? Go to www.themobilehomelawyer.com for free resources and materials to help you succeed. If you love the podcast, go to Apple Podcasts, give us your review, and subscribe today. Thank you for listening. Neither the Supreme Court of Missouri nor the Missouri Bar reviews nor approves certifying organizations or specialist designations. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements.